Canadian Wants to Know. Ein Podcast für Englischlernende in Deutschland, der kraftvolle Geschichten und anregende Fragen nutzt, damit ihr auf unterhaltsame Weise eure Sprachkenntnisse verbessern, vertiefen und festigen könnt. Hier ist euer Host, the Canadian George Robledo. Welcome to my podcast, Belinda. Thank you for, for sitting down with me and I'm excited about this. Hi, Jorge. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking, you, talking to you before the podcast. We, we met a couple months ago in our coffee chat and I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it took us a couple of months to actually get this organized, to finally sit down, but I'm happy that we made it work. Yes, same here with all the time zones and all the busy stuff and, you know, moving across country on your end. <laughs> it's, it's an exciting time. I'm glad that we found the time today as well. Awesome. Awesome. So can you tell us, give us a little bit of an introduction into who you are, what you do? Sure. So my name is Belinda. I am um, currently I'm living back in Germany, which is the country that I grew up in. Um, but in between being a baby and now being 30, <laughs> I've, I've lived in different countries and cultures. Um, most of my life I spent in Germany going to school and just growing up here, doing my undergrad study here. Um, I also lived in Singapore after graduating from undergrad studies to do like a six month um, internship as a business intern, which was an, an amazing experience. After that, I was back in Germany for a while before moving to the UK, where I lived for six years. I went there to finish my studies um, in intercultural business communication back in 2016. And then I just kind of hung around. You know how that goes sometimes. You meet mm -hmm. people, you find a job, you like it there. So I spent a lot of time there, more than I thought I would. And then back in 2021, which I can't believe it's already almost a year and a half ago, I came back to Germany with my boyfriend. He's from the UK. And now we live here in Bavaria. And I'm, um, I have a background in, in different, um, in marketing, um, in languages, in business. And now I work as a marketing translator, trans creator and content writer. I'm surprised you didn't pick up the British accent in your time. No, <laughs> I know that's because uh, that's because my mom is American. She's from Virginia and she taught me and my sister English from when we were babies. And then I had the, the German from my dad and also from, um, you know, growing up and going to kindergarten and all that kind of stuff here. So I've always, I grew up bilingually, but um, somehow the UK English did not stick with me. But what did stick was certain expressions. Like, for example, I now tend to say parcel instead of package or bin instead of trash can and things like that. So that's stuck, but not the UK way of speaking. Like the That's accent. funny. That's funny. <laughs> I lived in Texas. I think this is back 2012. And I didn't pick up the accent, but now I, I still continue to say y'all. Y'all. <laughs> what are y'all? What are y'all doing today? Guys, I love that. It's a y'all and all y'all, right? Depending on how many people I like you're it. speaking. I love yeah. it. It's it's much easier than saying you all Y'all, I love it. So I, I, I still keep certain things. Yeah, I see you with a cowboy hat when you say that in my mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. In Texas, there's a saying, I was not born in Texas, but I came as soon as I could. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I've never heard that before because I haven't been there yet, but it's, oh, on, it's on my I list. I recommend so. it. <laughs> awesome. I know a lot of people have stereotypes about Texas, but I love it. It was the best period of my life. You know, what's funny about Texas is it. everything's bigger in Texas and it's the biggest state. I think that Texas is actually eight times the size of Germany. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's the case, which is mind blowing. 
And the funny thing huge. is that yeah. in uh, Bavaria, where I am, that's like the biggest state of Germany and everyone in, in Bavaria. I just always say like Texas is the Bavaria of the United States. You know, it's kind of connected. <laughs> <laughs> well, where I live in Canada, I'm in Alberta. I'm in the western part of Canada. We are the Texas of Canada. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we have rodeos. Country music is very big uh, here. Yeah, well, so there, there's also a connection there between Alberta and Texas. We also well, produce oil. We're an oil producing province yeah everything there's that connection growing up i didn't know anything about people over there and then you watch the the news and it just wants to paint those people in a very negative light yeah i I remember going down there with this stereotype of oh they're all racist and super conservative but no i loved it yeah the whole idea is be open to people and be open to being surprised yeah, that's the thing. You have to be there for yourself. You can't really rely on the media. Um, they all have their own agenda. They have a reason. Everything's, you know, there's always a reason for why people present certain things in a certain way. You can only know the truth if you actually go there yourself and speak to the people there. That's absolutely that's ask questions and be curious. Absolutely. And I'm sure because of your traveling Singapore, UK, you've been able to see that firsthand. Yes, absolutely. Um, Especially Singapore, because it's such a multicultural place. I've never seen anything like it before. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a complete melting pot like New York is, for example, which is a great city. There's no city in the world that can compete with New York. But um, Singapore, uh, they're more of a, they keep a little bit, like each community keeps a bit more to themselves, but they do live in harmony from what I've witnessed. You know, there's the Malay, the Chinese, Singaporean, they have the Indians. Uh, Yeah, so that's... um, that's amazing how they how they all just kind of live in harmony and how so many languages are spoken there. There's all the food in the world you can find there. It's it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. And so I, I think that goes against this idea that we cannot coexist if we have such different ways of seeing the world. But there are pockets on this planet where people do coexist in spite of their differences. I live in a country, an entire country of people who coexist in peace. So I know it's possible. So that argument that be, oh no, our views are so different. We're so diametrically opposed. We cannot coexist. I'm like, um, I don't know about that. I think, I think you can definitely live in peace if you exactly. learn to see beyond the differences and see, okay, what, what connects us? It's our yeah, shared even, humanity. The fact that we have children and we want to give them a better life. Yeah, even in your own friend circles, you have different opinions, but it doesn't mean that you don't still love them or care about them. I think as long as you have some some basic human respect, you can always live in peace and in harmony. You don't have to be on the same page on every single topic. I think so. And something I was also thinking about is when people say that to me, I say, who are the people that you fight with the most? It's not with strangers. It's with family. So even if you're so alike that you have the same experience of life, it doesn't mean that you're going to get along all the time. You'll still fight. (laughs) That's a really good point, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, I don't know, that's kind of the message of the podcast itself is how can I learn from the experiences of others and see and just open myself up to, hey, you know what? Maybe there's something I can learn from others if I'm only open to it. Yeah, awesome. that's a beautiful so message. Yeah. Let, let's get into this. You work with translations and marketing and you call it transcreation. Is that correct? 
Yeah, so basically transcreation is it's a service um, on the translation spectrum. So depend, it, it, it's really, I have a couple of resources that I'm, I'd be happy to share in the show notes for this because it's a big thing to get into and we don't have the time to get into it today. But basically um, it is, transcreation is what I would call copywriting in the other language. So it, it, bas- it often, you often use this service for slogans or claims in, in marketing material. And it's, it's often coming up with a completely new solution that'll work for you your um, language and your culture, even if it is very, almost not even relevant or, or not even related to the original English copy, you know, the German results that you end up with might sound very different, but it still might have the same effect for the audience and have the same marketing message. And that's something that I've really enjoyed. It, it gets, it gets, it lets me be really creative and um, dive deeper into the language, which is something I enjoy a lot. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned, but my wife is a translator. Oh, nice. No, so I I've know that. seen that. I've seen how difficult it is to translate from one language to the other. And the fact that sometimes you cannot translate word for word. That's exactly. what I tell my students all the time is I need you to think in English and turn off your German brain yes. because it's not going <laughs> to really help you. So That's what do you good. think are some of the challenges that you see when you're trying to translate between these two languages, between German and English? There's um, three main things that I can think of. One, the most obvious one that comes to mind, especially when translating marketing copy from English to German, is that German takes up so much more space. You, you know, <laughs> a word that means the same thing might have like t- dub, you know, twice as many letters as the English word. And it just means that often companies, especially in e-commerce, let's say they have a, a subject line for an email, a, a marketing email, and they don't often don't account for this. You know, they just write whatever they want in English and then they go and it's already to the max, like maximum character limit. And then they ask me, hey, can you do this in German? But it has to fit the same limit and it just won't work. So there's a couple of ways that you can handle this space issue. You can just find a shorter alternative. You can even, if it doesn't work any other way, you can leave some words out as long as you make sure to keep the keywords at the beginning of the sentence or phrase, that's a good solution. What I also see often with German and English translation, like in terms of challenges, is finding the right equivalent for a specific saying or idiom. Um, if you look at my LinkedIn, there's a lot of, I post a lot about this because I really love it. I, I dig into this kind of stuff um, about idioms and sayings, you know, it's raining cats and dogs would be as schüttet wie aus Eimern in German, for example. That's really fun to get into, but you really have to sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's a head scratch or it can be. And I also find that English is just more playful and fun than German. In, in, you, you often notice this with song lyrics. So it's just no matter how much you try to translate them in a fun, playful way in German, it just never sounds as cool <laughs> or fun as the English original, I find. Yeah, it's just German takes up so much space. There's (laughs) there's such long words. You put like three words and you stick it all together. That (laughs) definitely, one of my favorite phrases I like is, I only understand train station. I love that. I'm like, what What are you talking about? That's such a good one, yeah. I really love it. Because sometimes my my students, they will translate the phrases word for word. And it doesn't work. (laughs) I don't know what you're saying to me. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. My mom is um, an English teacher and she had a German student once. And his name, his last name was... Neubauer, and he translated his last name in English. I didn't realize that names always stay the same. And he said, New Farmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, he learned something valuable that day anyway. 
Oh, he wanted to translate his last name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is too funny. I had never heard of that. Well, I, for example, with my name, I have a Spanish name, but I, in English, I go by George. So I, I will translate my first name, but I had never heard of someone translating their last name. <laughs> word you would for never word. be able to find them if you were to look them up in, a, in an old school phone book or on the online. Like, yeah. what the hell? Like, Maybe where's Google... New Farmer? <laughs> yeah, did you mean Neubauer? Like, Google might be able to help you out, but it's just, yeah, it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> hey, why not? A for effort. He's trying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so definitely some challenges. What do you think are the most common mistakes that you see? People are translating from German to English. I, I gave you some examples here. They want to go wörtlich. So for example, an example that I see with my students is with the superlative, wichtiger, mm -hmm. or not superlative, comparative, wichtiger, uh, in English we'll say more important. So they'll mm -hmm. say importanter. Ah, I see. <laughs> mm -hmm. Again, with the direct, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of things like that with uh, between German and English that still happen, even with even in um, adult, not just like young students, but adults make this mistake a lot. And it's not really technically a mistake, but it's something that as a marketing translator, especially, I have to look out for and make it sound as natural as possible. But um, Germans, as you know, they use a lot of this so-called nominal steel, which means that they use a verb as a noun. I'll give you an example. So you might, if you go to the zoo, you might see a sign that says, you know, bitte Tiere nicht füttern, which means don't feed the animals or, you know, feeding the animals is prohibited. But Germans might say it in a more complicated noun-based way, like the feeding of the animals is prohibited. And it's not wrong, but it's not as idiomatic in English mm. as, as, it, as it could be. Or, you know, German likes to use a lot of passive voice, which isn't, oh, yeah. isn't a bad thing. It often circumvents this whole problem with inclusivity and mentioning too many different people. It just kind of simplifies that. But English definitely prefers to use the active voice. Um, so that's yeah. something you have to make sure of when you're translating. Yeah, I, I use Grammarly. I don't know oh, yeah, if you know Grammarly. Too. It's a tool to help me fix my writing in real time. Because even as a language instructor, I still make mistakes. So I tell my students all the time, mistakes are part of the process. You're yes. never going to be perfect. And perfection is not the point. So it's I use a tool real. like Grammarly. <laughs> and it constantly, because I used to use a lot of passive, but I've completely eliminated that because it told me, no, passive voice, try the active. It constantly wants to remind me to put it into the active form. That's definitely how it sounds. I don't know. I don't know why we do that, but I like the active voice. In the passive, I don't know, like who who's talking? Who did it? I don't know. You never know who does anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it makes it much more personable and, and approachable, I find. I also like the active voice in most mm -hmm. cases anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So definitely some challenges there, some common mistakes that we'll see for, for language learners, because this is a, a podcast for language learners, some things for, for you all to pay, pay attention to. What is it? I know you, you've lived in Singapore and I imagined the language that you used when you were there was English. What is it that you love about the English language? The, uh, there's the, what we mentioned before about these whole like idioms and sayings. There's a couple that I just love, you know, they're so, they can be so vivid and emotional. For example, oh, that's a head scratcher <laughs> or mm. things like every day is a school day. You know, I just think that they're so lovely and so vivid. And I, I, I feel like the emotion in those sayings helps 
a language learner to remember something more intensely. That that really helps a lot. Um, I also mention English and I love English and music. It's funny, I almost don't listen to any German music at all. I just don't like it. There's a couple of exceptions, but um, English is just so, yeah, it's just cool, smooth. It's more fun, more playful. And that's I, I don't know. There's just a couple of things about English that just hits the nail on the head when it comes to music. Also making it short. more. There's more rhyming patterns, I, I think, or more obvious ones than in German. There's just so many things I like about it. It's also less um, less formal. You know, you can say you to everyone. You don't have to worry about see and do like in German. And I just love that. <laughs> yeah, even to this day, I'm always confused. After seven years in Germany, is it Z or or a do because I've had situations where it's an older person, so I start speaking in Z, and then they're angry with me because they said I'm not that old. Oh, come on! Like, you can't okay. be angry. Yeah, they get angry because I, I've used Z, and I was trying to be respectful. So I'm always confused. Oh, do I Z or do Z or do I? <laughs> do you think that uh, we're ever going to get rid of that? Like one day the dude is going to decide. You know what? Just call everyone do. We're, we're I think done. So with I it. think that will probably happen. Yeah, I think companies are becoming more, I don't know, you even see it in the dress code. I think it, it's not as formal as it was back in the mm-hmm. day. So you start to see it in the dress code. You start to see also, I think people are more open to meeting up with each other outside of work. I don't know. I, I feel like there is a cultural shift. Companies. It's funny that you mentioned because I was just in Austria this past weekend and um, people there speak with, they say do to each other. Even if they if you mm. even never, never met like in a clothing store mm. at a restaurant, mm. like, oh yeah, was kann ich dir bringen? What can I get mm. you? Or danke mm. dir, you know, thank you. Um, I thought that was really cool. And I asked my friend who is Austrian, like, is this typical? It sounds, it sounds really nice to me, but strange. We wouldn't say that to someone that we've never met. I asked him, like, do you know this person? No, no, that's just how we are. It's really typical, at least in this, in that area of, of Austria, which was Innsbruck. So I thought that was really nice. I can see, I can see a world where, you know, in German speaking countries, we just switch to the do altogether, maybe in 10, 20 years from now, we'll see. Could be. It, it's hard because everything is action and then there's a reaction and then there's a reaction to the reaction. <laughs> so you'll see that as people push more and more away from the formality, there will be a pushback from people saying, no, we're going too far into Denglish. Yeah, we're adopting right. too many English yeah. words. And then there's a pushback towards returning to a more traditional way of speaking mm-hmm. German with more German uh, words. So I can see it going in both directions. Yeah, that, that's usually what happens. It's, it's kind of exciting to witness. Yeah, and what I tell people is it, language evolves. It's mm-hmm. like a river. You yes. can't stop it. So you can complain all you want. Oh, it's too many English words in German. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sorry. But it is what it is. <laughs> it is <what> it is. <laughs> I, I, I know personally, I don't really like Denglish. I'm not a fan of it. Especially if you have a German equivalent that sounds yeah. just like the sound. Uh, for example, ah, oh, the, the, der Mann is sehr strange. Like, oh what? no! What? What is that? You can yeah. say seltsam. Seltsam. You can say you know. komisch. Why are you saying strange? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? So I know for myself, I'm not a big fan of Denglish, but the language doesn't care about my opinion. It's going to evolve <laughs> and change. Exactly. Because all languages evolve and change with time. As we should, yeah. It's the natural process. But what I like is I, 
I prefer if it happens in a natural way where people just try different things and then eventually more people adopt it. I'm not a big fan of forcing language to change. Uh, so, for example, in the English world, there is no academy that determines this is the proper way to speak English. That doesn't yeah. exist in the English world. So you'll see a lot of variation between British and Australian and all these things. Whereas in the Spanish language, there is La Real Academia Española. So there is an academy that decides this is the proper way. So they mm -hmm. dictate this is how you speak it. I like language just evolving naturally as it always has been. So I'm not a big fan of people telling me you have to speak like this. And I'm like, well, I don't know if everyone <laughs> decides this is how we're going to speak, then cool. But I'm not going to do it just because you told me I have to yes, do it this exactly. way. But that's language. It's going to change. So I'm sorry, Germans, your language will become more anglicized. Yes, I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> Don't blame me. It's not my fault. <laughs> Are you tired of feeling anxious and nervous about public speaking? Look no further than Udly. Udly is an AI-powered speech coach to help you improve your public speaking. You can get private, real-time, and judgment-free feedback on your filler words, pacing, and more. What are you waiting for? Sign up at udly.ai and start your journey towards confident communication today. One of my students, she told me recently, now that she's working in English with me, trying to improve, she finds that she's losing her German. I don't know if you've had a similar experience as you grew up with German and English. So you're constantly trying to manage multiple languages in your head. What advice do you have for someone like her? Oh, I totally get what your student is going through. I, I never had that with English and German, but when I was studying in uh, language and business school, I had Italian and Spanish, and I would often confuse the two. You know, um, it's just especially Italian and Spanish are so similar. And I had I had a base in I had a foundation in Italian, and I learned Spanish later. So in in a way, the one language helped inform the other and learn the other easier. But then it's easy to confuse them. I would say first of all, don't stress about it. You're only human. And the fact that your brain is kind of trying to divide the different languages, it just means that you're learning, that you're smart, you're a smart cookie, so don't stress too much about it. Don't let people put you down. It's, it's only people who don't know many languages and they don't know what you're going through who are going to criticize you. So don't listen to them. Keep doing your thing. Keep learning. In, in school or, or when you're studying, I, I would recommend having like a, a color system in place. So this is what I did when I was studying languages. I had like um, an orange folder for Italian, a green one for Spanish, a blue one for English. And I felt like in my, because I'm a very visual person, I felt like for me that was helpful to have this divider. And I would also see those colors in my brain when I was speaking that language or practicing, you know. So maybe that's something that you could try. Um, I would also recommend starting with one language until you feel like you've reached about a B1 level and then learning another one instead of learning two completely new languages at the same time, because one language might help build the other one, learn it in a little bit of an easier way. Yeah, that can, that can really help doing it that way. Yeah, no, those are really great tips. I remember there was a time where I tried to learn Turkish and French at the same time. Wow. And I said, oh, no, no, this is too much for my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no wonder. So in general, I don't recommend learning two new languages simultaneously. No. Try, like you either. said, build up one till a B1 level. Mm -hmm. And then you can really differentiate them. I know there was a time where my French and my German used to get mixed up a lot too. Mm -hmm. where I, I would try to say something in French and only the German words were, would come out. <laughs> would you say it with a French accent? <laughs> exactly. Now, yeah, they're definitely split up because both of them, I have them 
So my German's at a B2 level. My French is probably still at a B1 level. So I, they're strong enough that they can live independently. <laughs> That's, yeah, you did it the right way. I, yeah. I, I kind of, wow, I think it's amazing that you tried with the Turkish and French at the same time. But yeah, that, that's just overwhelming. And I think that people who try that might get discouraged. They might even think that they're not good with languages, but they're just overwhelming their brains. I think you just don't rush, take one thing at a time, and you'll, you'll get there in the end. I think so. And enjoy the process. I was yeah. giving that advice to one of my students this morning. Oh, George, what can I do? And I say, enjoy it. This mm -hmm. is so great that we mm -hmm. are able to learn and, and to have the possibilities to communicate with new people. It opens up new worlds to us. So just enjoy the process. As long as you're stressed, you're not going to learn. Stress yeah. is not conducive to learning long-term. Maybe true. it can help you learn for an exam, but as soon as that exam is over, that for information is going to disappear from your brain. But if you want to learn long-term, do it with fun just have fun with it yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. cool good, good advice can you tell us more about what you do what are the services that you provide to your clients yeah sure i have three overarching service types and they've kind of evolved over time same with with the languages you know one thing at a time you build <laughs> one upon the other so um i started with uh translation and transcreation from german to english and english to german And I, I focus on e-commerce, fashion, and interior design. That's, that, that hasn't always been that way, but that's kind of how my focus has shifted. I think it's always a good idea to specialize in your area of business. Um, a second big area of my, my services is I write LinkedIn and blog content for my clients. So I have three different clients in this field that I do this for. One is a translation agency, one is an Amazon ad agency, and one is a fellow translator. So I just write LinkedIn content for them. And eventually we have enough LinkedIn content on a certain topic. It makes sense to turn it into a blog and get more out of it. And then lastly, I recently started offering mentoring services to freelance translators um, who have at least one year of work experience. And I support them with their marketing and again, specifically with LinkedIn. There is so much, so much power in LinkedIn. I'm going to be doing a workshop on this topic later this year, which I'll be happy to update listeners as and when in case anyone's interested in, in using LinkedIn. But um, yeah, those are my three areas and I just love all of them so much. And it's been a, a wonderful journey kind of building my service portfolio up the way I have. Yeah, that's really, really cool. I, I see it in my own journey of where I started seven years ago. And working primarily just with private uh, students and then building it up to working more with business clients and then expanding into other courses that I've created. It's a process. You're not going to do everything the first day. It has to build and then the right opportunity comes along. You have a new idea and then you try it out and see if it works. Exactly. Oh, I love I love that you work with businesses. What, what do you find is the biggest difference teaching a private student and a business student? It's different needs. So with the private students, they want more of that grammar, mm -hmm. more of just some basics in, in terms of the, the functionality of the language. Whereas the business clients that I work with are trying to just improve the, the way they communicate their ideas. They already have a, maybe a B1 level, so they I can see. communicate, mm -hmm. but they want to feel confident. So it's more of a focus on the mindset and on just developing the the ability to communicate them and overcoming the shyness that they may feel. So it is a different, very different. That sounds like a life skill, you know, the overcoming shyness and, and um, confidence. Oh yeah, which is why I, I have a brand new course on, on character development. 
because I realize a lot of what I do is not only language instruction, but a lot of it is character development. Yeah, it goes mindset. hand in hand, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. So I recently, I haven't launched it yet, but that that's coming out. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You can, tell, no, so you can that's, tell you're really passionate about it too. So it's really cool to me to meet someone like you who's also building a business and, and trying to develop themselves and, and create the life that they want. <laughs> Do you have one final piece of advice for someone who is struggling with a new language and trying to develop their, their language skills? I would say find your own style. Don't necessarily stick to what you're taught in school or in uni or in your language classes. Because sometimes, I mean, I I was lucky. I I loved most of my language teachers. But I think that sometimes the way, especially in school, like, you know, government, whatever, it can be very uh, rigid and strict. Find your own style of how you want to learn. If that's through music, through TV shows, magazines, getting a tandem partner. What I would recommend as an actionable tip is to watch a show on Netflix or whatever streaming platform you have that you already know in your native language. So you don't have to keep up with the plot or worry about missing any storylines. Just watch that show in your in the language that you're trying to practice. And then you can fully focus on the language and pick up on really cool idioms and go to sentences that you can then use in your everyday life in, in that language. I really like that. Really, really like that. Enjoy the process, but you're only going to enjoy it if you're doing enjoyable things. So if you like watching Netflix, watch your favorite show in English or whatever the language. That's really, really great. Because if you're just going to stick to the books and you hate it, you're not going to stay consistent. And consistency is the key to long-term learning. So you've got to enjoy it and do enjoyable things. So thank you so much for your time, Belinda, and for your advice, for your expertise, for all this knowledge that you have about languages and, and translations. That's really, really cool. I wish you continued success as you continue to grow. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And it's always fun to talk to someone who has a big heart for languages like you and I do. So (laughs) I wish you the same. And thanks for having me on today. Thank you. business English communication for the last seven years and the passion is still there. I'm constantly trying to improve my methods and courses to offer people the best possible instruction. I know Belinda is the same, so I highly recommend you reach out to her if you're in need of marketing or translation services. Question for you, how often do you mix up English with your native tongue? If you enjoyed this episode, share my podcast with one of your friends today. If you want to support the podcast, consider leaving a tip. If you're looking to make your presentations more impactful, take a look at my storytelling course. You can click on the link in the show notes for more information. That's it for this episode. Also, bis nächstes Mal.